Blog Talk Radio. Who am I kidding? Um, a lot to get into today. The NFL draft is done. The NBA playoffs have started. The NHL playoffs are in full swing. Major League Baseball is moseying right along. We're going to start today's show for probably the final time this year based on recent events. And that would be the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks went into Miami yesterday with a ton of hope. A a ton of promise. I don't think anybody really going to win the series. But many people thought for sure that they would get a Miami Heat a run for their money. And the Knicks go into Miami and get their doors blown completely off the car. I don't even believe what I was seeing yesterday. The Knicks couldn't hit shots. The Knicks didn't play any defense. The Knicks couldn't stop LeBron. The Knicks couldn't rebound. Tyson Chandler, you could see the effects of the flu that he had yesterday. Tyson Chandler was a mess. Tyson Chandler couldn't move. Tyson Chandler just wasn't himself. It was obvious from the get-go. And here the Knicks are, after a 33-point loss, and the most important part of yesterday's game is they lose Iman Shumpert for the next nine months. Shumper, who was trying to do a flashy crossover, planted his leg and his knee burst. Amon Shumper was the guy that was at least going to hold off the Wayne Wade. And he's done a good job of it all year. But now that Shumper's gone, the Knicks have no shot. Nobody is going to cover Wade now. Is Landry Fields going to cover Wade? Absolutely not. Is Carmelo going to cover Wade? Okay, that's fine. If he does that, then who the hell is going to cover LeBron? The New York Knicks 
are going to have to outscore the Miami Heat to win a game in the series, let alone four. And you, what you saw yesterday was it the was the evolution of a of a team that is just breezing along through the regular season, and then flips the switch for the playoffs. Not many teams can do it, but when you have King James, when you have Wade, when you have Bosch, you can flip the switch anytime you want. The Miami Heat's defense was incredible. The intensity they played with was just as incredible. And I understand that the referees were very bad in the game. I mean, some of the foul calls that they were calling on the Knicks, especially on the screens, were some of the worst calls I think I've ever seen. The Tyson Chandler one in particular, where not only did he get a flagrant foul, it shouldn't have been a foul at all. But we move on to game two. The Knicks, who, let's face it, needed a lot of things to go right to have a chance to win the series, had everything go wrong in game number one. And the Miami Heat looked like they're on a mission. And the Miami Heat's missions just got a little bit easier yesterday. In game one of the, of the quadruple header yesterday, the Bulls, for some reason, felt that up 18, it's a good idea to keep Derrick Rose in the game. Well, they kept Derrick Rose in the game, and Derrick Rose, just like Amon Schumpert, blew out his knee. So now the Bulls, who have been without Rose a lot of this year and who have played better without Rose, are really going to get that put to the test. They're up 1-0. Even without Rose, they should still beat the 76ers. But as you move on in these playoffs, it's going to be a tall task for that Bulls team to win four series to win the championship. Winning regular season games without your superstar, when you have a team as well-coached as the Bulls, who play defense like the Bulls do, you know... I don't want to say it's uncommon, but it really is. It, it is uncommon. And this Bulls team was, was incredible without Derrick Rose. But the playoffs are a different beast. The playoffs, you need your, your point guard. The playoffs, you need your leader. You need your best player. And the Bulls lost him yesterday in a nonsensical manner. There's no reason for Derrick Rose to be in the game at that point. And I don't... No, if Tom Thibodeau is taking a lot of heat this morning. But if I was a Bulls fan, I would be pissed. Can you imagine being a Bulls fan and your star player gets hurt at that part of the game with that kind of lead? I would be beside myself. Just incredible. And then you have, speaking of incredible, the Orlando Magic, without Dwight Howard, who have shown really no signs of life since Howard went out, go into Indiana, win game one, with Jason Richardson leading them to, to the win, with Jameer Nelson leading them to the win, 
I mean, is this five years ago, Jason Richardson? Is this St. Joseph's Jameer Nelson? Amazingly, they win. Amazingly, they go on the road and beat Indiana. Everybody thought for sure that Indiana would blow through that series now that the Magic are without Dwight Howard. And last night was a wake-up call. If the Pacers were overlooking any team in the playoffs, then they prove that they need to um, toughen up a little bit and get smarter and realize that this is playoff basketball and teams come to play. And the one thing about the Magic is they're playoff tested. The Pacers are young. They have limited playoff experience. And maybe that could have played in a factor, but... Shocking, shocking win for the Magic last night. And then the the last game of the night was the best game of the night. Kevin Durant hit a foul line jumper with one and a half seconds left to get Oklahoma City by the defending champs. Now, Dallas has had a down year. They're the defending champs. They had the championship hangover. But what you saw last night was a team that, just like Miami, turned that playoff switch on. And they almost pulled out a big upset. A big upset in game one. And it looks like the way the Mavericks played that you have a series on your hands. The other four series just started today. The first game is going to be the Spurs. The Spurs, you know, had a brilliant season, a brilliant regular season. They did it their way. They did it in such a way where they rested their players. They didn't care about what game it was. They weren't trying to play their superstars back-to-back games. They did an outstanding job, and they get the Utah Jazz at 1 p.m. today. Then the second game, the ABC game, is Denver and the Lakers. What Lakers team are you getting? Are you getting the team that has Andrew Bynum looking like Wilt Chamberlain? Or are you getting the team where Andrew Bynum acts like a little crybaby and is not into the game whatsoever. You know Kobe's going to come to play. You know Gasol will come to play. But can they get the other supporting help like Bynum? Denver, solid team. Let's see if that solid team can make some noise here against the Lakers in round one. The 7 o'clock game, it's an interesting series, Boston and Atlanta. You know, Atlanta's that team... Atlanta's kind of like that mid-level team. They get into the playoffs. You know, they're a top four seed the last couple years. They may win a round, but they're never really a threat to win at all. And they have the same team coming back year after year. Boston, who has looked like the Boston Celtics from two years ago, go into Atlanta on a huge high. 
and I don't think Atlanta wins more than a game in the series. I think Boston blows the doors off the Hawks. I think they went in at five. Now, I think Boston's poised to make a run here. Boston, I believe, would get Chicago next. There's nothing standing in the way of the Celtics getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll see what happens. Then, what might be the funnest game of the eight, the final game of the night, the Clippers and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies coming off the Western Conference Finals performance in the playoffs from last year. The upstart Clippers who bring Lob City to the playoffs with Chris Paul. Remember something about Chris Paul. When him and Tyson Chandler had that team with David West in New Orleans a couple years ago, Chris Chris Paul ran the pick-and-roll game brilliantly. And Chris Paul knows how to play playoff basketball, and I think the Clippers win that series. But that's all for the basketball for now. I want to move on to a little hockey. Real quick, the Rangers, and that's the only series I I plan on talking about right now, the Rangers were down to the Senators 3-2. They had a brilliant game in Ottawa on Monday. They had to survive game seven on Thursday in what was King Hendricks coming out party, so to speak. Everybody knows that he's an upper echelon goaltender, a top talent, but he didn't do it in the playoffs. And game seven the other night proved that he can lead the team to a playoff victory. And that victory Thursday night propelled them into round two, which started yesterday against the Capitals. And what can you say? Chris Kreider has played six games in the NHL, all in the playoffs. He's been nothing short of brilliant. He's somebody that if you're the opposing team, you have to know where he is at all times. He is making plays. He is hustling. He is doing everything he needs to do. Even he set up Richard's goal yesterday as well. He is doing everything you can ask for a player that little experience. The talent's there. If you listen to any hockey expert, the talent is there. But he's doing the little things. He's being unselfish. He's making good passes. He's making the most of his scoring chances. And he has been a bright bright light in this bright season for the New York Rangers. That, does that mean that this series isn't going to be tough? No. But I don't think it goes seven. I think the Rangers have a tough series. But I think they have a tough five-game series. And I think they'll move on to the Eastern Conference Finals in five, based off yesterday. And the one other note I'll throw in, I think I saw that, uh, the Kings went into St. Louis. The number eight seed Kings, who dispatched Vancouver, went into St. Louis last night and won again. 
So you have that little hockey eight seed doesn't mean anything run going as we speak. Now, the NFL draft was the last few days. And I don't know why. I understand you have to fill TV time. I don't know why people sit there and grade everybody's drafts. You're not going to know for three years if somebody had a good draft. You know, you can question somebody's move. Like, I, I don't. I think Seattle was asleep at the wheel. You know, I'm not a draft expert, but when I hear the experts say that somebody is a mid-round two talent and somebody picks them in, in mid-round one, you have to question the sanity of that team. When you're the Seahawks, who just got what they hope to be their franchise quarterback, then why are you drafting somebody with such a high profile as Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson's a leader. Russell Wilson is the kind of guy that can cause a quarterback controversy. I know he's small. Just watch him play. Are the guys in college that much smaller than the NFL? He played in the Big Ten. He's playing against Ohio State. He's playing against Michigan. He's playing against Michigan State. He's playing against Penn State, even though they're a JV team. You know, don't tell me he's too small. It just it didn't make any sense. Um, from a Falcon perspective, I like their draft a lot. I don't like the fact that they didn't get Lamar Miller. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I was all over that on Thursday night. I really believe that, that the Falcons could have went out and grabbed him, and he would have been an expl- explosive playmaker for that offense he would have been exactly what Matt Ryan is looking for from in the backfield. Jaquiz is small, and he can't do the same things that Lamar can do. And for the Dolphins to get Lamar Miller, that is actually baffling because you have Reggie Bush. You know, Lamar Miller is a very poor man's Reggie Bush, at least from the college perspective. That doesn't mean that he won't grade out to be a better pro. So I, I, you know, I really don't know what the Dolphins were thinking. You know, Minnesota had a nice draft in the sense of they manipulated it to the point where they can move back, get more picks, and then they got positions of need. Um, By all accounts, the Buccaneers had a good draft. But again, you don't know for three years whose draft is good and whose draft isn't. The number to call in is 805-830-8359. This is Status Radio, Blog Talk Radio, sponsored by Verizon. (laughs) Um, Just draft-wise, it was – I don't know how to put it. I think the Colts did a very good job. The Colts, for them to get luck, and then for the Colts to go out and get the tight end from Stanford to go with Luck is going to be a huge, huge plus for Luck. He's going to have that instant familiarity with a player on the team. 
It is a big, big deal. And the Colts went and got another tight end. The Colts did some good things. They got Kobe Fleener, who runs a 4-5-40, who he's going to be instant, instant offense for Andrew Luck. I'm at at a point right now where I look at the Colts, and their defense is in transition. And for those who think Dwight Franey is going to be an outside linebacker, you need to see Dwight Franey play football. He is not an outside linebacker. So don't sit here and tell me that you're not going to trade him because you need to trade him. If I'm the Falcons, I offer next year's third right now for Franey. Put him on the other side. I don't care. I don't care about that. Bum-ass Ray Edwards. He was terrible. Go get me Freeney. Give him a third. Give him, give him a fourth. Give, give him something. And get Freeney to Atlanta. I guarantee if they get Freeney to Atlanta, it's going to be a sack factory down in the ATL. The Broncos had a decent draft. Uh, the Browns getting Trent Richardson and, and Brandon Whedon. You know, you don't ever know what teams are thinking, and they know their team better than I know their team in most cases. <laughs> but are we sure we should be pulling the plug on Colt McCoy? Colt McCoy had no help. He had no running game last year. He had receivers that had a lot of drop balls. I'll tell you what, I'm not sure if. I would be ending the Colt McCoy experiment, but it looks like they're about to. It's going to be Whedon and Richardson leading the charge for the new Cleveland Browns. Justin Blackman to Jacksonville is a brilliant pick. But for every brilliant pick, there's a, there's a head-scratcher. So if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and you get the receiver that you, you want, that you need, and then you turn around, in the third round you draft a punter? So basically what you're telling me is that even though we just picked a big-profile receiver, even though we picked a quarterback of what we hope to be our future. That we're still going to have to punt a lot? You had to get a punter in the third round? You have no other needs but to get a punter in the third round? In the third round? Come on, Jacksonville. You're better than that. You cannot be drafting punters in the third round. Were you worried that Oakland was going to trade up to get your punter? Were you worried that the Browns might say, oh, my goodness, our offense is terrible? We need to go get that punter right now? Are you kidding me? Are you serious right now, Jacksonville? You, you've got to be kidding me. A punter? Were you worried that the Chiefs were going to have no quarterback again? And they were like, oh, well, here's a young punter. We better go get him because our offense stinks. I I can't believe it. I can't believe you would go get a punter. You have the Dolphins. 
the Dolphins seem to have a pretty good draft. Dolphins could have used a punter, by the way. But the Dolphins seem to have a, a pretty good draft. They got Vernon from from the U, who Vernon can be a Dwight Franey type. I'm telling you. He's small, but he's got speed. He's got intensity. He, trust me, the kid doesn't stop. And not just because I saw somebody else saying on TV. I watched the games. I'm a Hurricane fan. He is a good pick for the Dolphins. He's going to make some things happen on that defense. Dolphin fans will love him. Lamar Miller, you heard me talk about him before. Dolphin fans will love him. I'm not so sure about the quarterback. As you look down the draft board, think about this strategy from a Dolphins perspective. Were the Panthers going to pick a quarterback? No. Were the Bills going to pick a quarterback? No. Were the Chiefs going to pick a quarterback? Maybe. The Cardinals? No. The Eagles picked two quarterbacks. Well, I'm sorry, they picked one quarterback, but it was later in the draft. The Rams aren't going to get a quarterback. The Seahawks, you know, maybe the Seahawks might be a problem. You never know. But you look at this list, most of these teams have their quarterbacks ready to go. The Dolphins felt the need to take Tannehill at eight. You know, I, I suppose they could have tried to trade down, and we may not never know if they tried, but Tannehill at eight is it's a reach. I don't care if his offensive coordinator is, uh, is his old college coach. I don't care if his quarterback coach is the same coach from college. I don't care. They have no receivers, which is going to lead to eight men in the box, which is going to lead to no running game. And I understand they're going to bring him along slow. You didn't get that impression from the Dolphins GM the other night. You got the impression that they drafted the kid eight. They expect the kid to be ready. And I understand Matt Moore showed you some things at the end of the year. But if you really think this guy's going to be the quarterback of the future, you have to at least give him half the season on the bench. You have to at least give him to the bye week on the bench. If you throw Tanny Hill out there at the start of the season, then I think the Dolphins are going to be in the market for whoever is the first quarterback taken next year, if you understand my drift here. You know, Panthers picked up another linebacker. They needed linebackers. All their linebackers keep getting hurt. Uh, Chiefs went and got another defensive lineman because that worked so well when they draft them. Uh, Michael Floyd to the Cardinals is a good pick. You know, put him on the other side of Fitzgerald. You know, let the kid go one-on-one with people. See what happens. Rams with a solid pick with Brockers at 14. They wanted Blackman, but they were able to trade down, get some more picks, and they got Brockers, and then they did some damage in round two. Uh, Quentin Cobles for the Jets. You know, I, I remember seeing him play against Miami, and the kid was everywhere. 
that the kid was a menace. He, he was a monster. He did good things. And it could end up being a good pick for the Jets. But if you go down this list, you know, it really is chalk. It really is chalk. Not in the sense of who was supposed to get picked where, but just by positions. You know, you have teams like the Steelers that they tried to beef up the offensive line, and then otherwise they just did best position available. You had the Texans adding to that defense. I'm not so sure I would have done that. The Texans, you could have some questions about in the sense of, you know, they could have got a wide receiver early. Uh, The 49ers went and got another wide receiver. Uh, Giants went and got another running back. The Buccaneers went and got another running back. I mean, I'll tell you what, the Packers helped their defense. I mean, there are some good teams that were able to make some good picks to help their team continue on this upward trek. The Falcons solidified their offensive line big time. The Rams went and got a receiver. The Rams went and got a corner. The Rams, this was all round two. I mean, the Rams, the Rams, the Rams did good, good things. And they got another running back. I mean, they did some good things. But you see the Falcons and you see the Steelers, offensive line, first two picks, bang. Protect the quarterback, make it happen. Broncos got their supposed heir apparent to Peyton Manning because we're always looking ahead. Um, Buccaneers got a player, a linebacker, who is a steal. Well, Michael James to the 49ers, I think, is a brilliant pick. Brilliant pick. Perfect change of pace running back for Frank Gore. Perfect pick. Ruben Randall to the Giants. He can just come in and be the third receiver and just hang out and learn the game. I mean, these are these are some good teams making good picks. I think the draft overall was a, a success for every team in terms of team needs. There's not many teams that didn't address their needs. And, you know, we'll see what happens in three years. Who's left, who does what, who progresses. You know, but one thing you know for sure, you expect, I'll stop at the top five, but the top five players of this particular draft, I'm talking Justin Blackman, I'm talking Matt Khalil, I'm talking Trent Richardson, RG3, Luck, you don't see any bust in that top five. There's no talk of any of them being a bust. You used to hear, you know, Leaf Manning, who's going to be a bust, who's not going to be. I don't think any one of those top five are going to be a bust. You know, RG3 is an extremely hard worker. Andrew Luck was calling out plays out of his mind 
in the workouts, calling three plays in the huddle. You know, so you know that he's a workhorse. You know he's going to study. You know he's going to learn the offense to be able to let his skill take over. Trent Richardson is a, a is a phenom. He's going to really open up the passing game for the Browns. Khalil is exactly what the Vikings need, a left tackle to protect Ponder. And Blackman is that big play threat that the Jaguars need for Gabbert. Very good draft overall for those teams. I don't think any of those top five are going to be a bust at all. Now we go to OTA, some more OTAs. And some things are really about to heat up in the NFL. We'll move on to finish the show to Major League Baseball. Bryce Harper got called up last night and had it at the point was a go-ahead sack fly. He was one for three. The Nationals, I believe, lost the game, but Bryce Harper's up, and he's not going anywhere. The Nationals are 14-7. They're a game ahead of the Braves. Two games ahead of the upstart New York Mets, who won last night 7-5, right in – Excuse me, right, and Murphy had three hits. Dylan G was good enough. The Mets will go for this series win today with Santana against Jamie Moyer. And the Mets can win the game today. They're going to Houston. Boy, I'll tell you what, they just keep pulling together. Every time the Mets go back down to 500, every time the Mets have negativity where it looks like, oh, the season's about to go downhill. Boom. They sweep the Marlins. Boom. They come back last night and fight back to beat the Rockies. As a scrappy team, you hope they continue it. Remember I said they finished third. Remember I said they finished third. And so far, so good. When you have a division with the, with the Phillies, who apparently are in a downward spiral, and the Miami Marlins, who just can't figure anything out. In the American League East, we sit here on April 29th, granted, the month into the season. But if you look at the top of the standings, you have Tampa Bay. Okay, no problem. But you have the Baltimore Orioles at 13-8. and eight. They just keep plugging away. They're 13-8 and eight and got swept by the Yankees. And they had a chance to win all three of those games. I'll tell you what. It's early, but Baltimore's hanging in there. The Yankees are trying to get it together. They lost to a, another pitcher they've seen for the first time yesterday, Drew Smiley. And that... If I was a team, I would pitch. I would pull somebody up from the Myers to face the Yankees all the time. They cannot beat a team with a starting pitcher they see for the first time. I don't know what it is. But today they won't have that problem. Sabathia versus Scherzer. Scherzer has been pretty bad early on. The Yankee offense should feast. 
but the Yankees are just trekking along. And don't look now, but the Boston Red Sox have won five straight. It is theoretical that the Yankees could lose today. The Red Sox could win. And the Red Sox and Yankees would be in a tie for last place. Think about that for a minute. I don't care what part of the season it is. The Yankees and Red Sox could be in a tie for last place at the end of today. Come on, everybody. Say it with me. Yay! Can you imagine that? And it's not that they're playing bad baseball. The Red Sox have really turned it around. They've won two games against the White Sox this weekend. They've won five straight. There's no team in the division under 500. That's incredible. Just incredible. You know, some other things, the Cardinals are, you know, the Cardinals are are running away with the Central already. There is no other team other than them over 500. The Reds are 10 and 11. They're four back. And the Cardinals, with Matheny and manager, and without pool holes, are just doing what they do. The defending champs are playing good baseball. The Dodgers have been incredible. Matt Kemp hit his 11th home run. He's already the MVP. He can just stop now. They're 15 and 6. I don't care they had a weak schedule. You still have to play the games and win the games. Not everybody in baseball is 15 and 6. Four games back of the Giants are ready. You go over to the American League, and it's early, but the American League Central looks like a mess. Cleveland, Detroit, and Chicago all within a game of each other. Cleveland and Detroit are tied for first. Kansas City is 6-14. and 14. The alleged upstart Kansas City Royals are 6-14 and 14 to start the year. So much for that. The Twins, who have really fallen on some hard times, are 5-15. and 15. But you go to the American League West. The Texas Rangers are killing people. The Texas Rangers are 16-5. and five. They have a five-and-a-half game lead over, wait for it, the A's and the Mariners, who are both at 11-11. and 11. And then you have the Albert Pujols-led Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who Mr. Pujols has done absolutely nothing. They are 7-14 and 14 a month into the season. On April 29th, they are nine games behind the Rangers. The Rangers show no signs of slowing down. 
what an amazingly bad start. And if you look at the two teams that had the best offseason, the Marlins are 8-12. and 12. They're already five and a half games back of the division. And the Angels are 7-14. and 14. They're nine games back. Those were your off-season winners. And those are currently your regular season losers. What an incredible turn of events. The Angels released Bobby Abreu. It looks like he may have a chance to go back to Philly. He's got a lot of feelers. Um, he appears to be done in my eyes. But if he can hit, he can help. And the Angels are just a wreck. They're the kind of wreck that you kind of hope that the wreck continues. You hope another piece falls off. You know, you, you hope you hope a tire goes flat. You hope a fender breaks. You hope it's that kind of wreck. You hope it just keeps going and going. I wouldn't mind to see 10 and 31, you know, 15 and 35. I wouldn't mind to see that kind of a record. As long as the Mets are playing well. But the seasons are going on and on and on. Everything is in full swing. This is a rare time of year, at least for my teams, that you have two teams in the playoffs. Granted, one not for long. And the other, I can't really call myself a real fan of. I hope they win. But, you know, I'm definitely not... I'm definitely not an active Rangers fan. Um, the Mets are playing well. The Falcons are having a good draft. All in all, good times had by all. It's a busy time of year. I appreciate you listening to the show. That's going to do it for this week. I will be back on Friday night for a new show called Friday Night Live. I plan to have some guests, which will probably never happen anyway. But Friday Night Live will kind of be a secondary version of this. Um, At some point, I plan on moving it to Wednesday. But for now, it's going to be Friday Night Live, Friday night, 11 p.m. on Status Radio. And then, as always, Status Sunday, 9 a.m. Sunday morning on Status Radio. You can follow me on Twitter, John underscore Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E, John underscore Corey. You can email the show, statusradio at gmail.com. You can find the show on Facebook, Status Radio on Facebook. I think that's all of them. You can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on LinkedIn. You can find me pretty much anywhere. Thanks for listening to the show. Remember, Friday night, 11 p.m., Friday Night Live. Check it out. I'll see you then. This is Status Sunday on Blog Talk Radio and on Status Radio. Have a good week.